Last night, I believe God called me to change my message. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm reading. And once we've done the scripture, I'd like, can we put that verse up all through my preach? The one with Esther. There was a clue. See the one about Esther? Once we've read the scripture, I'm reading from Esther chapter 4, verse 9. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. And I'll read it in a moment or two. Because really, we're continuing our theme on living in the third day. If you've not been in, if you're visiting, we're going through a series. Up to now, there's been nine down, three to go. Well done. You're hanging in well. Uh, for those who've gone to all 12, you won't get a prize. But you get the joy of knowing that you've survived. You've been through it. You've come through it. And you've lasted well. And the story we're about to read here is probably one that I've preached more than any other significant. Uh, if you like preachers, since I started preaching, I've been given the, the privilege of sharing God's word from the platform. And every Sunday or every time you do it, it's a privilege that I get to do this. I can assure you, every time I step on the platform, I think, wow, I get to do this. What an honor, what a privilege it is to serve God and to share his word. It's incredible, an incredible privilege. And this is probably one story I shared on so many times, but if you're doing a series on the third day, you can't do one without this story here. This is probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and for those of you who are Bible students, you will know that Esther is the only book in the Bible where God is not mentioned. Either Lord or Jesus or Spirit, there's absolutely no reference to God in the book of Esther, the only book in the Bible, but I knew you all knew that. Anyway, however, his hand and his work and his guidance and power and wisdom is all through the thing. It is really all through it. It's set in a court of a Persian king called Ahasuerus, who, which would be probably in around about Iran or in Iran just now. Esther and some others are here. After days of captivity, some people went back to Judah. Some Jews stayed here. If you like, they're Jews, they're God's people living in a foreign environment, culture, atmosphere. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you, but they're here, but they belong to a different kingdom, a different culture, a different value. This one is not particularly suited to them. And basically the king had had a major fallout with his wife Vashti, background to the story. And the reality is she had a major fallout because she didn't do what he told her to do, or commanded her to do. We're not going to have any prayer times or raise hands or anything like that. Because the reality is uh, the world is, please forgive this, uh, the world is bigging up women just now. Right? Uh, I'll tell you what, we, we want to big up women, but not bigging them up more than we big up men. We believe that all women are equal to men. We believe that they're right. There's nothing about putting down women. We believe that men and women are equal on the sight of God. We honor that and we celebrate the difference. We really do. And it's not about men overpowering women. We don't believe that. We want women and men empowered to become the men and women that God empowered them to be. But here, Vashti had a big follow and the king's men got around about him and said, she'll be a terrible example. You can't let her away with that. She'll be a bad example. All the other women will start being bad to their husbands and stuff like that. You need to do something about it. So the king can listened. And then 
they say you need to punish her and you need to get another queen. The whole through process and Esther becomes that queen. So what they thought was Vashti was a bad example turned out to Esther, who's a great example, not just for women, but for men. This is not a women's or Mother's Day message. I'm sorry if you came looking for a Mother's Day message, but I am speaking about a woman. And even though she didn't have children, she was a mother to the people of God. And Mother's Day can be good or can be bad. You, if you've not got kids, it can be bad for you. If you've lost your, your mother, it can be bad for you. We want to say in this Mother's Day, you become the woman of God that God's called you to be. And if you've not got any children, you'll be a mother to the people of God. You pick, I'm going to be a mother in the house of God. I'm going to be a mother in my nation. I'm going to be a mother. And Esther had no children, but she became a mother to the nation, the people of God, in this example. That's what's happening here. And she becomes queen. The trouble is there's a chancer who's the right-hand man to the king called Haman, who really is out to destroy all the Jews. He tricks the, the, the king, who just seemed to listen to all the folk around about him and then what they asked him to do. And they, can he pass the law that Jews should be destroyed? Uh, those who don't worship your God should be destroyed. You need to get rid of all these Jews. He didn't say it like that, but he put it in such a way because the enemy is subtle when he comes in with things. You need to be careful. I met Mordecai, who's a, a relative of Esther's older relative, or, uh, an influence, or a guardian in many ways, he was a bit concerned with the, what was going on and starts speaking to Esther and says, Esther, you're queen now. Maybe you can do something about it. That is the background to my preach. It took me a wee while to get there. But that is the background to my preach. And he starts a dialogue with Esther and he's speaking to Esther about doing something about it. And they come in verse 9 of chapter 4. Hatach, on behalf of Mordecai, came back and related Mordecai's words to Esther. Then Esther spoke to Hatach and ordered him to reply to Mordecai. All the king's servants and all the king's men couldn't put no. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king, to the inner court, who is not summoned, he has but one law, and that he be put to death unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. They related Esther's words to Mordecai. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not imagine that you and the king's palace, you and the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maidens also will fast in the same way, and thus I will go unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther had commanded him. Now it came about on the third day, that Esther put on her royal robes, stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's rooms, and the king was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. When the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, she obtained favor in his sight, and the king extended to Esther the golden scepter which was in his hand. So Esther came near, touched the top of the scepter. Then the king said to her, What's troubling you, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even to half of the kingdom it shall be given to you. Great story. We'll stop there. And then if we can get the Esther verse back up, that would be even better. If not, it's not a problem. But isn't that a great verse? We have some gifted writers in this 
place. And that is the story of this house and this here. First of all, there's a problem. They're out to get the Jews, and Esther's made queen. And Mordecai comes to Esther, do something about it. And basically he's saying, Esther, it's your time here. It's your time here. Don't think things are happening by chance. Okay, just maybe, could it be that God's overruling and that God's placing you there for such a time as this? Could it not be? It's like kind of saying, paraphrase, Mordecai saying, Esther, I just got a kind of feeling there's bad stuff happening, but God's positioning you and he's placed you to make a difference in your world right now. And first of all, Esther had a concern for what was happening round about her. You know, sometimes we can think that we're just in a place, or God's put us in a workplace, or God's somewhere, and it's for our benefit, and it's just for us. And I believe God has got purposes way beyond that we can imagine. And just because we think we're in that place, it's not for us. We need a mindset that says, well, maybe I'm here for a purpose beyond me. Maybe I'm in this workplace. Maybe I'm here. Maybe I'm in this street. Maybe I'm in this place. Maybe I'm in this situation for something which is beyond just me. But God's got a purpose beyond that which can change other people's lives, can connect with other people. And maybe she'd not go in a huff with God because we didn't get that college place we wanted or because we didn't get that job that we wanted. Maybe we need to have an amen and say, well, God, if that's not for me, it's because you've got a purpose beyond that and you're putting me somewhere. And I believe my lines, my not steps are ordered by the Lord and when I'm going on with you, if you're shutting the door, it's because you've got a purpose beyond for me and that course is not for me because you get something greater and more purposeful and someone else for me to reach and some other people for me to connect with and another purpose for you to fulfill and Esther really got to that place here and she got round about thinking, you know what she comes to the place, yeah, uh, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe God's at work here. Maybe, that, maybe this is my time. Maybe God's got me here. This is a place that God's got me, and maybe it's not just for me. And over these past three months or whatever, maybe I've just been thinking, well, it's for me, and God's put me here. But listen, God, she comes to the place, I recognize there's something going on here bigger than what I thought. God's plans are higher than my plans. His thoughts are way above my, and God can see the end from the beginning, and God's at work in and when I'm in a place that I don't really want to be in, I need a mindset to say, you know what? I can't see what's going on here, but I know you're making a wave and there's no way. I know you've got a purpose here for me and I'm prepared to embrace it. I'm connecting with you've got a purpose here. And listen, she knows, like, I get it, I'm here. There's a difference here, but I recognize it's not going to be easy. I recognize, yes, God's in control. Yes, God's here. Yes, I'm here. But you know what? There's a battle going on, and this is not going to be easy because there's an enemy out there out to destroy us. And maybe you don't know it, but every day there's an enemy out to seek. He seeks to steal and to kill and to destroy. John says, we have an enemy, but Jesus came to give life in all its fullness. And we don't fight for victory. We fight from a place of victory. But he's still dead, and but dead. he's dead, but still deadly. If you go through the life group stuff, it's like a snake head's cut off but it can still cause poison and he's dead but he's still dead and we still need to fight from victory and but we still need to fight guys 
We still need to fight. And Esther gets alongside Mordecai and says, you know what? I believe God's in all over this. Okay, I'm come to a place and maybe God's put me here for this time. It's my time to make a difference. God's all right, but there's a battle going on here. And I want you guys to be praying and fasting. Get your life group. Get your church group. Get whatever you're at, Mordecai. All your church friends. Facebook them. Eh, Twitter them. Whatever else you do them. But get them all praying for me because there's a battle. Get them fasting and praying because there's a battle at stake. Lives of people are at stake here. There's a battle for lives, for men and for women. There's something great happening here. There's something happening here. Mordecai, listen, you need to do something about it. I need you, Mordecai, to pray. And I'll get my guys to pray. You get your guys to pray. And we'll go for it. Let me encourage you. There's battles going on for folks in this house. People, it's great to see Eddie and his family here. And I know there's others. But what Eddie and Tracy are going through is terrible. It's a battle. But we need to pray and fast. Thank God for Catherine and for Kirsten. We pray for all those who are sick. For Moira Walsh and we pray for them. But we need to keep praying. And let me encourage you. Spend some time fasting and praying. Seeking God for the breakthrough and the victory to come. Because we believe there's a battle going on. And there's an enemy out to destroy and to pull down and to kill. But there's life in Jesus. And we fight and we need to do it. We need to pray. And on Wednesday night we prayed over people. But as Scott said on Wednesday night, don't stop Wednesday night. Pray on Thursday, pray on Friday, pray on Saturday, pray on Sunday. Pray until we see the victory that's ours in Jesus Christ. There is a battle. There's a battle going on all the time. There's a battle going on all the time. Church, get to pray. Let me encourage you to pray. Maybe, and I heard this, you won't like this, so uh, I'll, I'll attribute it to Bill Johnson because that's what I heard saying it in one of these Christian channels this week. He said, maybe you've not encountered the enemy. Maybe you're not encountering the enemy in your world. Okay, that could be for two reasons. This is Bill Johnson, not me, remember. Okay, from Bethel Church. He says, this could be two reasons. First of all, you're not doing anything to annoy him in the first place. And number two, even worse, maybe you're traveling in the same direction he's traveling. That's Bill Johnson, that's not me. Okay. But if you're really, if you're doing something for God, if you really get involved and engaged in the battle, you will encounter the enemy. But we fight from victory and believe God. One of the saddest verses in my Bible is about the tribe of Ephraim in 78 verse 9 in the Psalms. It says, the warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back and fled in the day of battle. I.e., they're people of God. They're equipped for the battle. But when the battle faced them, instead of using what God had given them to pray and get victory, they ran away. We're in a battle, but we don't run away. We don't turn about. We fight for victory. From victory to see victory in others' lives. It's great what is happening here. But Esther says, it's a battle. Get your people for, uh, praying for us. Esther came to say, okay, I'm queen. I believe God's hands on it. I believe it's right. I sense God is doing something here. I believe God's put me in this place. I'm getting that now. And I'm coming before the king. I'm coming before him. I'll come before him. But listen, this is not easy. Mordecai, I believe God's hands all over me. I believe maybe you're right. God's placed me here. I believe it's my time. I believe I'm here for a purpose beyond what I can see. But you know what? It's not easy here. What you're asking me to do is like a kamikaze expedition trip here. There's a law that if, unless the king calls you into his presence, you're not allowed in. And if you do get in, he'll kill you. So what you're asking me here, even though I believe God is all over it, even though I believe God is with me, even though I believe it's right, it's not going to be easy. It's risky. You're asking me to do something risky. Do you know what? Faith sometimes is doing something risky. 
It's doing something that you believe God's calling you to do, but it doesn't look as if it's going to be that easy. But this is what Esther says. You know what? I've come to the place, Mordecai. I've come to accept what you're saying. I've come to acknowledge that God is here. I've come to acknowledge that what God has asked me to do is quite a big cause. It's quite tough. It's quite difficult. It's risky. I might lose my life. And then she came away with a great saying that we've used so often, but I'm prepared to do something. I'm prepared to get engaged in this. I'm prepared to get engaged in what God is doing here. And if I perish, I perish. Sounds great now, doesn't it? Sounds great. Sounds great when you read it thousands of years later and say, whoa, 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 that's so fantastic. But this is the reality. You know what? I could die here. This is a big cause. There's a battle going on, and I could die here. I could die in this, Mordecai. But do you know what? She says, listen to my heart, she says. This is paraphrase, but this is just it. You know what? I could die here. This is something big. But do you know what? I'd rather die for a cause than live without a cause. She says, I'm not prepared to live without a cause. I'm comfortable in my lifestyle. I'm comfortable in where I'm at. I'm comfortable, and I could just easily sit back and live comfortably. But you know what? If you're going through this week, next week, live group, comfort must fall. Because we were not designed for comfort, guys. We were not uh, designed for the status quo and just live comfortably. We were living. We were designed for a cause greater than ourselves. We were designed for discomfort to move in where others won't move in. Because we are not designed just to sit comfortably. We are designed to make a difference, and sometimes that's uncomfortable. And she said, I know what? I'm going to live for the cause. And if I die for the cause, that's better than living without a cause. Guys, you're living for a cause. And number two, she made a commitment to engage with what was happening around her. So it came about in chapter five, it says, it came about that on the third day, Esther put on her royal clothes to stand in the presence of the king. There was a protocol there that you had to wear certain clothes to get into the king's presence. Now, the New Testament, it's all about the clothes of the inside, not the outside. So don't go big on us there. Okay, God's looking on the heart. But there was a protocol. So Esther, coming before the king on the third day, you know, there's a picture of us. We can come before our king on the third day. Living in the third day is living with the royal robes that he's given us. On the third day, she came into the presence of her king. We've got a greater king, and he's given us robes that we come into his presence. The old dirty, tattered stuff was not allowed in the presence of God in the Old Testament. Psalm says, let your priests be clothed with righteousness. Listen, we are all clothed with righteousness. He has given us garments. He's imputed his righteousness to us, which means we didn't deserve it, but he just gave us what was his and put into our lives. And he's given us a robe of righteousness. God made him, second Corinthians said, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us on Good Friday, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He gave us royal robes. And this is a picture and a type of us going into our king. Esther's representing us going into our king. And there's no uh, exact 
uh, typology, but it's a picture of us. She was coming into the king's presence, and before she could get in, she had to put on her royal robes. You know, as we go into the presence of God, our old, sinful, tattered, rubbish garments are not good enough to get into the presence of our God. But you know what? We don't need to because we can live in new clothes. God has given us royal robes through Jesus. Isaiah says this, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom in his wedding suit or a bride with her jewels. You know what? I couldn't come before God on Good Friday because I would old sinful, tattered garments. I was a sinful, tattered creature who couldn't come into the presence of a holy, righteous God. But Jesus took that for me on the Friday afternoon, and he rose on Sunday morning, and I thought, you know what, I've given you new clothes. I'm giving you robes of righteousness where you can just come in. The old is gone. I've made them clean. I'm giving you a robe of righteousness where you can come into the presence of the King of Kings, and you're okay. You've got the right clothes on, and it's not because of you. It's because I've given you. He's given us a wardrobe, folks. He's given us a new wardrobe. When we came, we live in the old, sometimes in Instead of living in the new royal righteousness, it's not about us being righteous enough. It's him, his righteousness has been imputed to us. And we need to clothe ourselves and we get hung up with our old rubbish. Instead of just every day saying, I'm clothed in the righteousness of God. I can come into the presence of the King of Kings. I'm accepted there. And we need to make a choice to do that. We make a choice what clothes we put on. It's not just salvation. I believe when we came to faith in Jesus Christ and we have that resurrection life in us, living in the third day means we live in the clothes that he's given us. It's not living in the old self. It's putting the old nature, the old life off and living in the new. Listen to what the Bible says in Colossians. It says, now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to one another for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. You have put on the new nature and you've been renewed to learn and grow in your faith to become like him. What he said is, you need to start putting off. You used to didn't have a choice what you were like. Now you have a choice, and you need to put on the new nature. Because he goes on to say, since God chose you to be holy, his holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I.e., I need to put on a robe of forgiveness with people. And some clothes are easier to put on than others. Forgiveness is not an easier jacket to put on. But if I'm living in the third day, it's part of my royal robe collection is forgiveness. And I know forgiveness is not an easy jacket to put on. Sometimes it's a real tight fit. So listen, when a jacket's a real tight fit, what needs to happen if you want to wear it? A bit of flesh has to go off you. Whoa. Okay? And we need to put on righteousness. We need to put on forgiveness. And in order for that to fit well, some less of us and ourselves needs to disappear. That's tough. I can't even blame that on Bill Johnson. And I'm not saying it's easy, but we need to sometimes get rid of the flesh to wear the jackets. Because the new jackets is not about us, it's about him clothing us. But we need to crucify it, let the flesh go. And it says, and above all, 
put on love. Peter writes this, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he gives favor to the humble. But we need to choose it. John the Baptist says, he must increase and I must decrease. That way you fit in the jackets better. But we need to choose what we wear. Esther chose to put on her royal robes. And we need to choose what we wear. We need to choose not to wear the old nature. And we need to choose to wear the new nature. And sometimes when we're going through a tough time, we need to choose to put on the garment of praise. We have in the spirit of heaviness. We can let a spirit of heaviness cover us. Or we could say, you know what? I'm still choosing to put on my garment of praise. We choose the clothes we wear. And what is interesting here, it says God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble, gives favor to the humble. And we see Esther here. She makes her way into the king's presence. She's probably singing the old song, I'm accepted at the throne, for I'm clothed in royal robes, just to build her faith up. And she's going into the king, not knowing what's going to happen. Knowing there's a law here that could kill her because she's not been summoned for 30 days. I don't know what I've done to offend him, but he's not called me for 30 days. And she approaches the king who's on the throne. And I want to tell you, our king of kings is never off his throne. He's ruling and reigning, and we can approach him on his throne. And I love this bit. On the third day, she went in and put her royal robes on. Royal robes on. And then the third day, it says, when the king sees Esther the queen standing in the court, she obtained favor in his sight. How awesome is that? I'm going in here, and the law says, no. The law's there to hinder me, to stop me coming into your presence. But when Jesus came and died and rose, he fulfilled the law and brought us on to a dispensation of grace and favor. Where the law which was out to show us how bad we are and to destroy us and to kill us was dealt with, and Jesus came to fulfill it and bring us into something which brought life and grace and favor on our life. We read this twice this week through the scripture. I've been reading the daily readings. The first one was Isaiah 61, and Jesus quoted it. When he got up in the church some Sunday morning, somebody gave him the Bible, and he turned and he read this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom. We sung that today for the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We're still living in that year of the Lord's favor. Because third day living is living in the grace and the favor of God. And we are living in the grace and favor of God. And Esther comes into his presence of her king. And then it says, he held out the scepter, symbolic of his power, his authority. Two things in that. When the king held it out, he's saying, I'm accepting you and I'm extending to you. I'm extending, I'm reaching out to you. I'm giving you acceptance. But then Esther had to draw near and touch. Listen, uh, our King of Kings is reaching out to us today. He says, I'm accepting you. I'm reaching out to you. 
I'm reaching out, I'm extending the sum of my power, my authority, my presence, I'm extending and you're welcome. But we need to come and touch it. We need to take a step of faith and say, I'm reaching out, I'm drawing near and I'm touching. I'm receiving your acceptance, I'm receiving your favour, I'm receiving your power in my life. She done it. See, not only did she was Esther concerned about what was happening around about her, she made a commitment to engage with what was happening around about her, but then she made a connection with the source which could change what was happening around about her. The royal robes made a letter going to the presence. His grace and favour was extended to her. And Esther came in. And the third day, she was accepted and entered into grace and favour. And I love what she did here. The king came to her as she approached. And the king says, there's something bothering you, Esther. What's troubling you, Esther? He says, I'm concerned that you're concerned. Listen, when we're concerned, we have someone on the throne who's concerned. He's concerned when we're concerned. And he says, Esther, what can I do for you? My heart is to do something about your situation. And then he makes an incredible statement. He says, even up to half of my kingdom. That's like equal. You, up to half my kingdom. Esther, he's, he's not even got the answer yet. Just put yourself in Esther's shoes. Whoa. Just think for a moment what went through her head. Up to half the kingdom. This could be good. I'm made for life. This is awesome. This is incredible. The fact that you've accepted me. I don't deserve to be here. But I'm here because of your grace and your favor. I'm clothed in royal robes. I'm standing in your presence. You're concerned that I'm concerned. And you're asking me what do I want? Even up to half your kingdom. How incredible. I don't know about you and me, I'd have been thinking a million things. Some of them with pound notes in front of them. I'd have been thinking a lot of stuff here. But Esther was living for a cause greater than herself. She says, it's not about me. I've got a cause greater than myself. I've got a, I've got a cause for the people of God and for the kingdom of God and for the honor of God, my God. And the analogy falls a bit short here because her king says, up to half my kingdom is yours. But you know what the Bible says about us? It says, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus with a resounding yes. It's not half. There's an old, old song, but some old ones are good. Which says, his love has no limits. His grace has no measure, his power has no boundary known unto men. Out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. It was awesome what Esther received, up to half the kingdom, sure as Esther. Our king says, everything I've got is yours. I'm not even limited to half. Everything I've got, what is it that you want me to do for you? Living in the third day, saying to us, what is it you want me to do for you?
you've already accepted into my presence because you're clothed with the robes of righteousness. Living the third day means we're, we're accepted and he's ex extended his power, his authority towards us and says it's up to you just to come and touch it. Just to come reach out by faith and then I'm opening up to you half my kingdom. This morning, what's troubling you? You've got a king in heaven who says, what's troubling you? Because living, you're living in the third day and you're living in the grace and favor of God. I've said it before, I expect favor on my life. Not because of me, but because I'm living in the grace and favor of God. I expect his goodness and mercy to run after me every day of my life. Not to say bad things happen to me, but even when bad things happen, I say, Lord, I'm still believing and expecting and living in the favor of God in my life. I'm expecting favor in my life because not on me, but because I'm living in the third day, because I've got the right clothes on, because I live in the presence of God, and he's extending out to me his scepter and his power and his authority. And today, he's saying to you, what's troubling you? The band are going to come up, because I want us to spend a moment talking to him. Esther's a great story. It's a picture of us in a world which is foreign to her spiritual worship. In a world where there was an enemy out to destroy everything that was God or godly or Christian. Esther was brought into the kingdom for royalty, for that place, her time to make a difference in her world. Her time to say, I'm living for a cause beyond myself. I'm committing to get engaged in what's going on around about me. I'm not just here to pass through a comfortable life. I'm here in the plan and purpose of God to change something in my world. And she could come in and find favor because not what she'd done, because she'd been given these royal robes and on the third day, she was accepted before. And we live in the days of grace and favor. And can we stand in a moment for a moment? And my heart is this morning that we live in third day experience of the grace and the favor of God. Living in the third day means we live in the oil, royal robes. We put off the old and we put on the new that he's given us. It's living, accepting the favor of God. It's reaching by faith to touch the scepter, the power, the authority of God. And I believe today he's asking us, what does he want to do? What's troubling you? And I could say, if there's something troubling you, I'm not going to do this, if something concerning you, if there's something troubling you in your world, in your life or in your world, come out to the front. But hear my heart here. What I should be saying, if there's nothing troubling you, come out to the front. Because you need more prayer. Because you need God to do something in you that causes you to break at some of this stuff that's going on in your world around about you. Every one of us here should have something which is troubling us. 
It might be a personal thing today, and that's okay. But for some of us who are, it's not personal. Some of us, are you troubled at the state of society? Are you troubling about what's going on in the politics of the world or the, the wars of the world or, or the, the brokenness of the world or broken families of, of addictions, of, uh, of abuse? If there's something there which doesn't trouble you, if there's something about human slavery, if there's something about poverty, if there's something that's not troubling you, then my prayer, God, make it trouble us. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. This, today we have a, an opportunity to come before the presence of the King of Kings. And what is saying, you're accepted. It's the third day. It's not before you're living after Calvary where you're accepted. I'm extending to you my, my symbol of power, authority, all I am, and all my just reach out by faith and touch it. It's not Esther, it's Heather, it's Jim, it's Billy, it's Janice. It's what's troubling you? What's troubling you? All my kingdoms available to you. All my power, all my authority. Esther, I noticed you're, you're engaged, you'll do something about it. And long story short, Esther won a victory in the enemy was hanged in the gallows he'd prepared for Mordecai. Isn't that great? There's an enemy who's going to be defeated in what he's planned for other people to... He's going to be defeated in your life. In what he's planned to defeat you with, he's going to be defeated in your life. But just for a few moments, just hear the heart of our king say, what's troubling you today? And to you, as I say, it might be just a personal thing that's troubling you, and that's okay. But for some, is there a cause in your heart which is bothering you? Is there a cause greater than you that's bothering you? I believe in these few moments we can connect with a God and we can touch something with his power and authority because we're third day people. And his favor and grace and power are coming into our lives and all over our lives. And I want us to speak out where you are. The King of Kings is saying, what's troubling you? I can see there's something, but I want you to tell me what it is. I want you to say what it is that's troubling you. I want you to just say to me, listen, I can do something about this. I can do something, Esther. I believe whatever's bothering you, I can do it. I can meet you. I can fix it for you. I can change this. I can change whatever's troubling you. I don't want to see you troubled unnecessarily when I can do something about it. I can fix it. It's great that you've got a concern and you don't live comfortably and you're living for a cause and something's bothering you. But Esther, I can do something about it. And King Jesus is shouting out this morning, yeah, it's great you're troubled about something, but don't keep it. Call to me. I can do something about this. I can do something. My favor's on you. My heart's towards you. I want to do something. I want to heal. I want to change. I want to change your school, your world, your society, your nation. I want to make a difference. I want to heal the broken. I want you to call to me when you call to me, I'll answer you. You're an intermediate. You're standing in the gap for others. Esther stood in the gap for others today. It's maybe not you, but my heart's crying. Stand in the gap for others. Be a woman, be a man that says they can't cry. They're in a bad place, but I'm in a position where I can cry out to you. I can call on you. It's my turn. It's my time. And I'm here. And I can say to you, my king, God, do something. I'm concerned about it. But I recognize there's someone here who can do something about it. And today, just 
just where you are for these few moments, just call to God, just where whatever's troubling you. It may be a personal thing. Some of the healings I mentioned earlier, they bother me that people are out. It bothers me and I cry to God, Lord, heal them. Lord, it bothers me that society is not what I want it to be. It bothers me that it's broken home. It bothers me that people are filled with the dice. God, we cry to you. Lord, we are standing. Come, there's an enemy out to sin and destroy, but there's a God who wants to give life and peace and hope and joy and Lord we are third day people we're in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords we reach out by faith we touch that symbol of power and authority and it's not just a simple and we hear your heart that cries what's troubling you and I can meet the need I can all of my kingdom authority and powers available Lord, today, just wait, uh, just for a few moments, just tell God what's troubling you, what's concerning you, what's your problem, and let's believe that God can come with an answer and say, oh, my availability is here to minister into your need. Just come on, where you are, just no matter, if you're really concerned, it won't bother, you won't bother about the person beside you, if it's really troubling you, you're prepared to not be embarrassed. Esther was taking a wreck and she said, but I'm not caring what happens to me, if I perish, your perish, if people say bad things, if people slang me out it's okay because I'm living for a cause greater than myself and it's not about me it's about something greater than me hallelujah just wait I'll let all take everybody here just if you've got a concern just cry out to God just say God this is what's bothering me and we're believing his symbol is not just his symbol but his power and authority is here come on that's how she'd be full of noise, just calling out to God, crying out to God for the issues in our world. And the issues. Jesus, Jesus, Lord Jesus, salvation, Lord, I'm crying out to you, Lord, for salvation, Lord, for backsliders, Lord. Lord, we cry to you, Lord. Lord, come and answer, Lord. Lord, heal society. Heal our nation, Lord. We cry out, you heal our nation. Jesus, heal our nation, Father God. We cry to you, Lord. Heal our nation, Father God. We've asked to pray for Bill Morgan, who's not well. Let's pray for Bill and Ray. Pray for others you know are not well. We should be bothered when people in our family are hurting and pain. Father God, for those who need healing, Lord, those who need your power, Lord, for Bill, for Ray, Father God, for Tracy, Father God, for Moya and for others, Lord, for Kirsten, for others, Lord, for Kathy, Lord, we're believing, Lord, Lord, we're concerned for others, Lord, we're concerned. And we pray that you'll send your word, Lord, all the heavenly power and authority, Lord, send your power, send your healing power and authority. We pray, Father God, and minister life and health and strength for your glory. Lord, there's so much, Lord, we're all for our nation, even Lord, only you can heal our nation, only you can heal our land, Lord, we pray, Lord, you'll move in power, Lord, help us be people who stand in the gap, Lord, we prepare, Lord, even, it's, even if it's risky for ourselves, even if it's us, maybe, Lord, being damaged, Lord, we're prepared to take a stand, we're prepared to engage in what's wrong, Lord, 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 we want to be, Lord, we're concerned about some of the stuff that's going on in our world, Father, Lord, and we commit to engage and make a difference, Lord, and Lord, we connect with the source of the answer, Lord. God, you hear the cries of your people. You see what's in our heart. You hear what we're saying, Father God. But we declare we are living in favor. We are living in the favor of God. And just Esther, 
you pray for the salvation of our people, Father. We pray for the salvation of the people in our world. Father, we thank you for salvation coming into our house. But we pray for salvation to visit our nation, to visit our street, to visit our college, to visit our university, to visit our workplace, to visit our bus stops where we're standing, to visit our factories, to visit our supermarkets, to visit our streets, to visit our towns and our villages, our nation. Father, we cry like Esther for the salvation of our people. Lord, it's not our wills, but it's your will, but it's your will to save, it's your will to heal, it's your will to restore, it's your will to, to bring reconciliation, it's your will to provide. Lord, your word says all the promises are yes. All your kingdom promises are ours in Jesus' name. We say yes. We say amen in Christ. We say yes. We say amen. We declare the promise, Lord, in Esther. We're crying out, Lord. Lord, for what troubles us, Lord? We know it troubles you. And Lord, we're a group of people and we declare, Lord, that thank you for extending your scepter. Thank you for accepting. Thank you we live in third day where you accept us. We were clothed in royal robes we were accepted in the presence of the King and we can call to a God who says whatever's troubling you I can meet it Father God come and meet the needs and the cries of the hearts of your people in this house I pray in Jesus name Hallelujah